1: Spectrum Business works with small businesses nationwide, so we know that running your own business means doing it all. Marketing, sales, inventory, customer service, and more. Spectrum One for Business helps you keep it all connected for just $49.99 a month. Get fast, reliable internet, advanced Wi-Fi with security shield, and a free mobile line for one low price. Stay connected and do it all with Spectrum One for Business. Only $49.99 a month. Go to spectrum.com slash business to learn more. Restrictions apply. Service is not available in all areas. because BP has everything you need to keep it going. Fuel to keep the adventures going. The BP Me app to keep the savings and the commutes going. Snacks and drinks to keep the crew going. And the BP Me Rewards Visa to keep the rewards going and going and going. A stop at BP isn't a stop
2: at all. Keep it going.
0: As Governor-General of Occupied Poland during the Second World War, Hans Frank bore heavy responsibility for the abuse and murder of hundreds of thousands of Poles and millions of Polish Jews. When he was executed in October 1946, his son Nicholas was just a small boy. But over subsequent decades, Nicholas Frank has made it his mission to ensure that his father's crimes are not forgotten. In 1987, he published a devastating account of Hans Frank's role in the Nazi machine, which has now been translated into English and published as The Father, a Revenge. BBC History magazine editor Rob Attar caught up with Nicholas to discuss his book and find out more about how he sought to deal with his father's murderous legacy.
3: So The Father is now being published in English, but first came out in Germany think around 35 years ago i mean have your views of your father changed in that time or does the book still represent your impression of him
2: all in all it still represents like i have thought uh, 35 years ago Uh, what has changed in my book uh, is written the more i found out about you the more i hated you and this, in my own feeling, has changed. I, right now, I'm only despising him from the heart.
3: And how unusual is it for the child of a former Nazi to feel this way? Did all the other people who, you know, whose parents were senior in the Third Reich, do they also hate their parents in the same way?
2: For sure not. I, don't have, uh, I never had connections to the other children of the mass murderers the top Nazis, uh, but as far as I know, uh, they never did it my way.
3: What do you think makes you different, then? Why do you think you feel differently?
2: I don't know exactly. Maybe it has helped me a lot that my father, in the first two to three years of my life, uh, not... Thought that, is, that I am his son, but the son of his best friend, with whom my mother had a sexual relationship. And uh, then, as when you, as a child, being refused from one of your parents, you can become a psychological wreck or you can build up uh, a healthy distance. And this second. Uh, Uh, I have done, but subconsciously. It was not my brain that I have decided I was much too small to think in those terms. So I had a big distance to my father. And that's for sure, like uh, to my four siblings, they all loved uh, our father. And uh, I, I, really, I didn't love him.
3: And did that carry on later in your life? Did your siblings continue to admire your father in subsequent decades?
2: Three of my four siblings uh, defended our father till to their own end as an innocent victim of Hitler, Himmler, and the victorious justice in Nuremberg. That was for sure. And the, the fourth one, Norman, my eldest brother, He used to say, I know that our father was a criminal, but I still love him. And this, I can understand. At least he accepted all the documents and letters which I brought to him, and we discussed it all our lifelong, and this was the good thing. But the older he became, (laughs) the more and the stronger was the love, and the more went away his crimes.
3: So for those of our listeners who may not know a huge amount about Hans Frank, could you please briefly explain what his role and position
2: was in the Third Reich? The most important thing was that uh, when the war started, yes, when we invaded Poland, um, and it was by law, was he the deputy of the Führer in the occupied Poland? And therefore, he was politically responsible for every murder and killing on the soil of the government general. That is the most important thing. That the true power was mostly on the side of Himmler. Yes, it's for sure. But he ran the civil sector. So the trains who went to Auschwitz and all the other extermination camps were run in the power of my father. So he was 50-50 involved in all the crimes.
3: And do you think he himself supported the the mass murder? Do you think he would have initiated it himself, or was it simply a case of going along with Himmler and the others?
2: Um, My father was really well-educated, yes. He was brought up as a Catholic. He studied law in the Weimar Republic. So he knew by heart, by soul, by brain what's right, what's wrong. So he knew exactly when he was sitting on the Wawel the castle in Krakow, uh, he knew exactly what was going on. Yes, that he was involved in the most uh, cruel uh, crimes uh, imaginable. He knew it all. But he was, on the other hand, he loved Hitler. And uh, my eldest sister once told the family, our father loves Hitler much more than (laughs) his own family. And before the the closest uh, days he had with Hitler, he was his personal lawyer before Hitler took over power in Germany. After that, he was politically spoken a dead man. Yes, He was minister of the Reich, but without portfolio. he was sitting around and uh, then suddenly he got this phone call from Hitler, come to my train and he was appointed governor general. And I always thought, and I think it nowadays, Hitler knew exactly the doggish character of my father, knowing that this guy will never uh, put any difficulties against that was he was planning. What do you think drew your
3: father to Nazism and the Nazi Party? Was it purely an admiration of Hitler, or did he share the ideology of the Nazis?
2: He was born in 1900. So he grew up uh, the first 14 years in the splendid German Reich, yes? And uh, suddenly, after the First World War, everything was gone. And he, as a member of the middle class, then 18, 20 years old, everybody uh, wanted to have back, as he called it, the honor for Germany. And he wrote in his youth diary, we have to find one who brings back the honor to Germany. Yes. And uh, he also wrote, maybe it's me. Nearly the same words like Goebbels in his youth diary. He also thought, we need a strong man, maybe it's me. But it was Hitler. And uh, he was, for instance, as I found out, he was in the beginning of his life not an ardent anti-Semitic. Yes, he was more against the French. (laughs) And uh, this he built up together with Hitler for sure. But I would say if I could have talked to him really very, very severe, I think he would have confessed okay, Nicholas, in my heart I wasn't an anti Semite. But I had my career and Hitler needed anti Semitism, so I was it.
3: Do you think your father had any misgivings about? the atrocities that took place uh, under his stewardship in the general government?
2: No. There was this scene when he was, uh, my eldest brother Norman was playing football uh, in the park near the uh, Krakow Castle in Poland with other German uh, boys. And suddenly one of the boys was saying, oh, they are just shooting poles again. And they were running around three corners and in really... Uh, Germans just have shot about 30 Polish hostages because one German has been killed. And uh, then my brother Norman had lunch with this powerful father and he asked him, uh, Fatih, what is going on? And the government general, Hans Frank, jumped from his seat, threw a fork and knife, down and was screaming at my brother i don't want to hear anything about it but he knew it he knew it and he didn't do anything against and he himself uh, said the most horrible sentence about the uh, extermination of the jews so
3: you were still a young boy when your father was was executed how well do you actually remember him
2: Very strong in my brain is still my last uh, visit in uh, the prison. We only had one uh, possibility to visit him in prison. It was shortly before the verdicts were handed out. And during the summer, the the lawyer of my father uh, visited us and said to our mother, Mrs. Frank, the proofs against your husband are so strong he will get the death penalty. So, this also we knew. And I knew when I now meeting him, it will be the last time. And we were in this big room. And after a class, my father was sitting beside him, was an American soldier with his white helmet. And there were small halls, so that's uh, understand, you could understand each other. And I was sitting on my mother's lap. And he smiled at me, at me and was lying. He said to me, hi, Nikki, it was my name in my family. Hi, Nikki, very soon we will celebrate Christmas happily in our house at the Lake of Schliersee. And I really, I swear to you, Rob, I <clears throat> thought by myself, why are you lying? You know you will be hanged. And I was very, very much disappointed.
3: And how affected were you by the execution of your father at such a young age? Uh,
2: uh, when it came to the execution, we, uh, our mother, brought the three smallest children into a uh, um, Kinderheim for far away from our village where we used to live uh, to live in Upper Bavaria, and uh, then after the execution, my mother came in the spring clothes, colorful, yes, and were walking with us and were telling us, now your father is in heaven and he is very happy. And uh, my sister, my next elder brother, started to cry. And I was really quiet because for me it was just the information which I knew would come, yes. And my mother became a little bit angry that I've not started to cry.
3: Had you had a good relationship with your father prior to his imprisonment?
2: No, no. That was the other scene which burned into my brain uh, in the time when he didn't think that I am his son. I was running in the Belvedere's castle in Warsaw, which also belonged to the government general. I was running uh, around the round table and my father always was on the other side and uh, saying to me, what do you want? You are not belonging to our family. You are a friend, you a stranger. And I cried a lot and longed to get into his arms. And this was for sure the worst scene, but on the other hand, the scene which saved me from him, yes? And uh, there is one other scene which is a nice one. And there, out of this scene you can see how strong I wanted to be loved by my father. In the Wawel castle he had his private bathroom <clears throat> and I on my little legs were entering the bathroom and he was shaving himself and he put some of the foam on my nose. So. Why had this only beautiful scene also burned into my heart? For sure, I was longing for his love. But these are the only uh, remembrance I have.
0: Still to come on the History Extra podcast.
2: Because when they are uh, reading my book, they're automatically... They have to think about their own parents and grandparents, and they find out, oh, I never talked to them. I never talked to them. What have they really done?
1: We don't always realize just how much our negative thoughts and experiences stick with us and weigh us down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings
3: How did she view your father and and how aware was she of some of the atrocities that took place under his watch?
2: You have to to think of uh, Krakow Castle like uh, a king's yard. Everybody knew each other. There were a lot of talking. So they all knew what really was going on. And uh, also my mother was fully informed about the extermination of the Jews. That's for sure. She never uh, told me later <coughs> uh, what, what was going on there and pretended uh, not to have known anything, but not to me. He never spoke to me because she died very early when I just became 20 years old. And uh, But I, I knew from all her friends, which I made uh, interviews with, that everybody knew what was going on.
3: At what point in your life did you begin to understand the
2: true nature of your father and the things that he'd done? It started in autumn 1945. There came in Bavaria uh, the first newspapers from uh, the Americans. And there were a lot of pictures from concentration camps with dead bodies outside and in the yards. And uh, also corpses of young guys, of children like my age. And uh, under those pictures always was written Poland. And I thought Poland is ours, our private property. And suddenly, together with uh, the imprisonment of my father, it was for me uh, clear that my father was involved in something evil. My eldest brother, who also saw these pictures, uh, went to our mother saying to her, Mother, if those pictures are true, our father will have no chance. And he was right. The pictures were true.
3: And as you were growing up after the war, did it make life for you and your family difficult
2: that your father had been Hans Frank? In the first two, three years, for sure. Before the war ended, we were really the high family of big Nazis with Mercedes, a, a beautiful house with our castles in Poland. And everybody was greeting us and charming us and so on. And after the war, suddenly the Frank family was the family of criminals. So most of uh, our friends went away, not but, uh, with the three little children, because we were very good, connected with the Bavarian youngsters, with the children. So only once uh, in the school, uh, a young friend of mine suddenly told me, Hi, Nikki, you know your father will soon be hanged. And I, I answered him, yes, I knew it. Uh, so, But this also brings into my heart, knowing it has me, in a little bit, had me for sure also shocked.
3: And by writing books like The Father and the work that you've done, what are you hoping to achieve now? Is it to ensure people never forget what the Nazis did?
2: That's one point. But the more important point is I have shown how to deal with your parents if it comes to the Nazi time between 33 and 45, because the big problem in Germany is that the silent majority never, ever was talking about it in their families. It was a big silence. It's ongoing till now it is, till into the third and fourth generation. And this silence is poisoning. And I wrote this uh, book, this first book, Against this bloody silence, I felt and and, uh, had everyone around me in in Germany, and this I wanted really to break up. So in my, (laughs) uh, I thought that is a political book, but the others found it horrible because I accused my parents, and I know also why did I find it horrible, because when they are re- uh, reading my book, they automatically they have to think about their own parents and grandparents and they find out, oh, I never talked to them. I never talked to them. What have they really done? And this was something with, say, upsets. So they said, this is a horrible language. You can't go in this way uh, with your father and your mother. That's... Unbelievable, that's not inside the good taste. But our crimes weren't inside the good taste. Do you think attitudes towards
3: Nazism have changed in Germany since the book first came out?
2: Yes, uh, we are now more liberal for sure. On the other hand, through this poison, through silence, uh, we got back uh, right The neo-Nazi thinking, I would say. And this is spreading all over our society. And uh, this really makes me fear for the future of Germany. Because we never talked really. We are still the Herrenrasse, the master race. And um, this, I really fear that it will explode sometimes again. So do you
3: feel your book has a warning or lessons for us today?
2: For sure. Therefore, I am selling it myself in a little uh, publishing company because I got the rights back, and a year I am selling about 1,000, 2,000 copies. And always get very good letters back or mails, and they're always telling what I just have told you. They're telling very longly, their difficulties in their own families never were talking about this time. And if they start talking about it, they were hated immediately from the from their siblings and also from father and mother or grandfather and grandmother. It's really like a crime to talk about it.
3: How much of a shadow would you say your father has cast over your own life?
2: Um I only had one philosophical idea in my life. I was about 18, 20 years old. I will not let my father ruin my own life. And this idea I followed very close. So I never talked aloud about who my father was and the family name of Frank is very common in Germany, so n- never ever had somebody ask me, wait a minute, Nicholas Frank, are you the son from this mass murderer? Never. Yes, And so I built up I became a journalist, a very lazy one, and I was with Stern magazine, and at least I was a war reporter for Stern magazine, so I saw my own a lot of corpses and tortured people around the world, but In all this time, around me was this silence, this really silence. And then, I was nearly 50, then I wrote this book. But my wife, my beloved wife, I met her when I was 22. I told her, once upon a time, I will write about my father.
3: And do you think you'll ever come to forgive your father for what he's done? No.
2: No because the victims, his victims, are still alive in me. This I cannot do, and I will not do. One day, when he was in the stand on the 18th April of 1946, his lawyer asked him, have you anything to do with the extermination of Jews? And suddenly he said, yes. I had unbelievable Speeches. I never built all uh, up myself a concentration camp, but all my words and so on. So I have to say I am guilty. But then came the Russian um, attorney, and he started to lie again. And in the evening of this day, the American psychologist went into his cell and uh, asked him. And my father said to him. Have you seen the judges? They were very much impressed that I acknowledged my guilt. What kind of acknowledgement of guilt is this? And his last letter to my mother uh, on the evening before his execution, where uh, he wrote to her, Please make sure that the truth about me comes out. I never was a criminal. Well, goodbye.
0: That was Nicholas Frank. The Father A Revenge is out now, published by Biteback Publishing. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by Ben Hewitt, Jack Bateman, and Brittany Colley. Join us tomorrow when Saul DeBo will be answering your questions on the Boer War.